welcome to the Dev Morning Show at Night. My name is Cassidy Williams, and I am accompanied by my lovely co-host, Zach Plata. Hey, Zach. Hey, Cassidy. How's it going? I'm good. I just had a really good cookie, and so I'm, I'm in a good mood. Uh, I need you know that. what puts me in a good mood? Really cool guests. We have a really cool guest today, and that's Lily Chen. <laughs> Hi, Lily. That's a tough act to follow. I saw that cookie. It was a really good cookie. Yeah. Lily is the founder of Contenda. Lily, could you talk about Contenda and what it is and the whole deal with why it's cool? Because I think it's cool. <laughs> I think you're legally obligated to think it's cool. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> Contenda helps companies scale their technical content marketing. So we make derivative content from your original content. Super easy, super fast, super great. Derivative, that sounds a lot like math. Could you please explain more? It's all the math about the math. Basically, you have an original piece of content, right? You speak at a conference, you spent days prepping for that conference talk, and then you share that recording link and it goes into the internet. What if instead you put it onto Contenda, Contenda makes blogs from it and makes a Twitter storm with clips, all automatically, that's derivative content. That's, that's pretty cool. So wow. <laughs> at first I was like, thanks, thanks, in my head, the math isn't mathing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then when you went into it, I was like, oh, wow. I so it's just that. like, wait a minute, <laughs> roll back. <laughs> yeah. No, this woman doing the meme. Yeah, exactly. well, because that, that's something that, like, I think Zach and I in particular, because we both do a lot of dev advocacy work, it's it's the kind of thing where we have to make lots of content and make sure it's evergreen and, and post it in all kinds of different formats and ways. And so the fact that you could make it once and then recreate multiple forms of content from that one piece is exciting. It saves so much time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it's just like... You know, you get to focus on the stuff you care about, you know, like this podcast, like being here with you guys. I get to think about that instead of rewatching my old stuff and writing down notes and turning into a blog. That's the slog. Mm. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Blogs are a slog. I am loving <laughs> all of this right now. So could you talk a little bit about just like how you, you don't have to go too deep into the weeds of, of all the technology and stuff but you take a video a talk it turns into a blog post it's not a transcript it's it's something new um you you get a twitter thread out of it you get clips out of it how what 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 do you do there's so much but yeah let's do that specific example so we focus on technical content uh the reason why is because we actually train models specifically to all the technical content marketing stuff that's out there. So we pick up those words more. Um, the other thing that we're working on right now is something called content CI. So basically we write unit tests to make sure that the derivative content piece is accurate to the original. That's one of the tricky parts when you try to get someone to help you, right? If you were to like tell somebody else, hey, I spoke at this conference, like could you turn this into a blog for me? Well, depending on their background, when they watch it over, they might not get all the right things. They might miss a couple details or they might just try to Google something and maybe it's not completely accurate. So one thing that I'm working on right now is writing unit tests to actually compare the topic accuracy from the derivative piece to the original. So mm. lots of topic modeling, lots of statistics. That's Math. so much. And especially yeah. like code samples. I imagine those are very difficult to make sure that those are correct if you're going to put something described in a talk into a blog post. 
Yes. We actually pull those usually using OCR. So that means like on nice. the computer vision front, right? So if you put it up on your presentation, nice, nice, easy pull. Okay. Guess what? It's time for advertisements. The Dev Morning Show at Night is a sponsored podcast. I mean, someone has to pay the bills around here. We're sponsored by LaunchDarkly, and LaunchDarkly is the first scalable feature management platform. That means dev teams can innovate and get better software to customers faster. How? By gradually releasing new software features and shipping code whenever they want, fast-tracking their journeys to the cloud, and building stronger relationships with business teams. Thanks for the money, LaunchDarkly. So what does your day-to-day look like? Because I, could you tell us more about Contenda? Like, we know you founded it. How many people are on your team? Do you like regularly do very business-heavy things or are you more on the technical side? What, what does your day look like? Well, um, so I have investors. These are venture capitalists and I meet up with them pretty regularly. And at my last meeting, I told him how I was, you know, I was coding this thing, training this new topic model. I was really excited to see the output. And he was like, you're doing what? And I said, oh, I'm coding, you know, because I'm an engineer. And he goes, stop that. <laughs> and he like smacked my hand, you know, off the keyboard. I was like, stop doing that. You got to do sales. You got to do product management. You got to yeah. hire. And we go through that conversation probably every couple months. Yeah. So my day to day is a lot of doing one-on-ones with my engineering team. It is writing product docs, little tippy taps, and then mm. sales calls, emails, always in a meeting. I see that a lot with uh, technical founders where they're basically told to stop being technical uh, and, and run the business side of things. Do you ever see yourself bringing on like someone to do the business side so you can lean into the technical or do you like doing the business side? What, what, where this might be personal, but I'm, I'm very curious about how that, how that f- battle in your brain goes. I have been asked that before, so don't worry. I'm well prepared. <laughs> I <laughs> I think one thing that's hard for me to reconcile is I feel like I became a software engineer relatively recently and I discovered this whole world of fun. And then like once I started, I, you know, I just started getting into it and then people were like, no, playtime's over. Now you gotta do business things. And so there is that part of me that misses it all the time. On the other hand, I think it's pretty advantageous because I can communicate with my team about specifically when they say like something's a blocker or they can't do it, we're actually Mm. able to have an intelligent conversation about what do you mean by we can't do it? Is it like we don't have the bandwidth to do it right now? Is it not possible because of some dependency? That's a conversation that I can actually have with my team, which I value. Okay. Um, So I guess like when you do get to find that time to, you know, dig deep into like the coding stuff on a day to day. What's your favorite like terminal and editor to use? I use VS code and it's largely because of the habit I picked up from the Zuckerbucks. So I used to work at Facebook and they have like a really great VS code setup. I used to think that was just VS code. And then when I left Facebook and I installed VS code on like my own personal devices, I was like, this is not the same. <laughs> they did things to it. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of things to it. On the other hand, you can still install VS Code Pets, and you can get a little cat or a dog that hangs out right above pets. the terminal. It's cute, and you can pet him. It sounds like a Tamagotchi, but in your editor. Yeah, and he goes to sleep if you like go idle. Like your pet will just go take a nap. Oh. Hmm. 
I'm going to need that. I'm glad that you learned (laughs) such hard-hitting stuff at Facebook as an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The VS Code Pets is blocked at Facebook, but it's free in the real world, baby. Oh, there you Mm. go. (laughs) (laughs) So what got you into the industry then, before the Zuckerbucks and, and everything before that? Oh, man. I wanted to be a PhD, like, professor, economics. I wanted to to teach. Um, I still think that's Mm. obviously something that resonates with me on my team right now. But originally, I majored in math and econ in undergrad, and I wanted to be a professor. I guess if we're going to talk about business things, the the funnel here is like, first, you have to be brand aware. What is tech? And I became aware Mm. of what tech was when my college took me on a tour to Silicon Valley. And it was just like a magical door. I went to Airbnb's office. If you've never been to Airbnb's Fancy. office, have you been? I, I've i seen so many pictures. I haven't been, you've seen but the picture. Okay. it, it looks like the fanciest office in the world. <laughs> you yeah. should definitely check it out. It really is like a mini Disney World. You know how they in Disney World, they rebuild all like things from different countries? That's basically what Airbnb's SF office looks like. Oh, there was so a yurt. Cool. <laughs> A yurt indoors with the whole like two stories and like the of course the it is top type thing yeah a yurt indoors it was nuts um but that's the first time i really saw something like that i didn't realize that adulthood could have yurts indoors amongst other things and there was bagel bagel days there were bagel days and kombucha on tap i've never seen that before so the basically going to silicon valley seeing all these things which is the first time i was like wow these people must be so smart, so talented, and clearly better than me because I don't know about this thing. <laughs> because I don't know about this thing and I don't know how to do this thing. So these people must just be like somehow inherently better than me. So that's stage zero, brand awareness. <laughs> stage one, then stage one is getting to the value proposition, feeling like you as the person can actually have that thing that everyone else has. And mm. fun fact, Cassidy, this is where you come in. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if I do know that. Hello. Yeah, you're about to, these are facts. We are learning together. (laughs) (laughs) So when I came home from that trip, you put out a TikTok on Twitter of, it was, it was the song High School Musical, uh, where it was like, Mm. no, 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 stick to the status quo. Um, That was the Thanksgiving one, I think, back in the day. Yes, it was fixing things for your relatives. When you go home for the holidays and your (laughs) friends and family are like, my printer doesn't work. My Wi-Fi slow. Can you fix it for me? Can you install this mobile app onto my mobile phone? Um, All of those things. At the time, I was working in a ITS help department. So I was doing lots of those things for people. And I saw that TikTok. It made me laugh. And I was like, this is great. And I clicked on your profile. And I was like, whoa. She's like one of those Silicon Valley people. She's like, <laughs> I have a yurt indoors. <laughs> she might have a yurt. I've she seen might own it. a yurt. She could have bagels, kombucha on tap, all these things. And I, I was did just not, like, but... you did not. But I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm you put the up lies. those things. <laughs> the web of lies grows. <laughs> but I mean, I ended up following you after I saw that because I was like, ooh, she's kind of funny and she seems relatable. I was just kidding. I was going to say I was wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, that was, I think it was around the holidays, you're right. And then for the next couple months, I just sort of 
liked, retweeted stuff that you were posting. Eventually, I think I got onto one of your Twitch streams and you were sharing like beginner friendly guides. You have this Discord community. By the way, this is not a plug for Cassidy. I'm sorry. It's not yeah, in the script. I didn't this expect this. I didn't just I'm bring sorry. Lily yeah. on to be just like, no. talk me up. It didn't happen this way. I, uh, but this is all, this is just the truth. So we're going for it. Um, but Cassidy has this amazing developer community called RWC. And I, a very, everyone in there is just very welcoming and friendly. And I remember telling people like, I've never coded before. Um, I saw some stuff in California and I'd like to live that life. If anybody has any suggestions. I just suggestions want a or... yurt. <laughs> I want a yurt indoors. If anybody knows how, you can reach me at this number. Um, but yeah, <laughs> from there, I got some advice, got some resources, met some really helpful people. And I learned how to code by doing tutorials on the internet. The internet's a magical place. Started doing that. And then after college, I got my first software engineering job in Boston, then worked at a gaming AI startup in New York, and then ended up at the Zuckerbox in, guess what? Silicon Valley. Hey, <laughs> you got, got your the yurt. yurt. I, I <laughs> Turns out yurts are really expensive. They are. It's wild. They're really expensive. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's how I got there. What a journey. I I am blushing deeply that that I was mentioned so much in this story, but it's also so cool that you kind of saw a goal and was just like, I'm using the yurt as a metaphor, but it's real. <laughs> like you were just like, I'm going for the yurt and you found your way there. And now you're the founder of a VC backed startup. That's amazing. Go yurt, go gurt, all correct. Anyway, let's go into rapid fire questions. So we're going to just ask you a bunch of questions rapidly, back and forth. Are you ready? I think. Cool. We all have a domain name or 10 that we're squatting on. What are yours? Um, various D's nuts jokes variations <laughs> on my company name. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good to keep it professional. That's why I'm squatting on them. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, you Just... never know. All right, next question. What is the most recent thing you over-optimized? The amount of salad that can fit in a 16-ounce mason jar. Please explain. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a 24-pack of 16-ounce mason jars from Amazon with the goal of eating healthy. <laughs> Try to fit all the protein and nutrition that I need in this 16 ounce jar with the dressing so that it doesn't get the lettuce too wet because I want to pre-make it on Sundays, but I don't want, you know, all my lettuce and stuff to get soggy. So I got to like figure out the layering. I'm, I'm optimal right here. Well, that actually is incredibly over-optimized. That's really interesting. Yeah. If you have photos, I'd like to see these. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> these see these jars. What is your golden rule for coding? Uh, solve business problems, not coding problems. Ooh, mm. I like that. Please go deeper. Yeah, um, I think oftentimes as engineers, we get really deep into a bug or into like this kind of thing that we're solving and we're really focused hard on trying to like get that error message to go away. Sometimes we lose track of like, what am I actually doing this for? Does this help me get closer to my business problem? Like, does this help my customer? Does this help something? And thinking that instead of necessarily just the coding thing in front of you can go a long way. What is your favorite, it depends, question? 
People always ask me, what's the best way to start a company? They mean like a venture backed startup, but that's a very, very broad question. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet. <laughs> that, that could go in many directions depending on industry and problems you're solving and all that. Yeah. And what your priorities are. Like, do you have financial needs that you need to be meet, meeting? Do you, like, are you still in college? Do you live with your parents? Can somebody support you? Those are all personal questions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What is the oldest piece of tech that you still own? Nintendogs? The, the, yes. the 3DS game? <laughs> not, the, not the actual device anymore, but the game. Where Nintendo. you can, like, pet, pet your dog yeah. and make sure. Oh. You see where my VS Code pet obsession comes from now. It makes sense. It's all from N- Nintendo. <laughs> Have you ever written a piece of cringy code? And if so, could you explain a little bit? Yeah, you know, because I don't have as much time to code anymore, I do find myself doing more hacky things than usual. I do recall one time my my serverless function kept timing out, and I could not figure out why, didn't have the time to figure out why, so I just made it sleep. Just like sleep five. And then I was like, try again. <laughs> Can you just try that a couple of times? Just go to sleep and try again. It's fine. You know, if it works, it, it, might, it, it might be one of those things where someone might like grip their heart like, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> but if it gets the job done in the comments do not delete <laughs> this sleep function <laughs> this sleep function is super important i bet we'd all be surprised about like all these kind of asynchronous processes like how much we'd find this kind of practice of like sleep 10 for seconds, sure please. we'll just throw up a pretty loader <laughs> and it'll yeah. be fine for sure i i bet that is significantly more prevalent than we all care to think about gosh (laughs) yeah okay anyway what is your favorite programming pun i thought about this for a really long time and i made one up myself (gasps) Ooh. okay programmer i hardly even know her was good yay thank you <laughs> thank you i won't quit my day job <laughs> no you could yeah it's fine no don't your company seems neat <laughs> all right last one what's your most used emoji uh officially in the unicode accepted standards it is upside down smiley face Mm, like when classic. people say, what is the sleep function? Upside down smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite unofficial is mild panic. Our Discord server has yes. it as an emoji. Ooh. And so whenever, you know, if someone says, what's the sleep function? Mild panic. <laughs> Perfect. We'll get that one in Unicode someday, maybe. They reject oh, it. So. We'll try again. Okay. Next, we have the random segment generator. have a bunch of random segments and we'll just see what they come up with and then we'll go to whatever is asked so the first segment is talk and ship we're going to ship slash sip some tea what's something that is underrated or overrated in the dev community in your opinion overrated definitely is on call I know, I know people are obsessed with this 99, how many nines you got, 
but I really think that most products services probably don't need that uptime. And it's a lot of stress. It's, if you've ever been on call, if you've ever been paged dead of the night and they're like sub zero, like that stuff is really freaky. I, I think it's a little overrated. It, it makes sense. Like you, you want things to be like up, but sometimes you also want your teams to be healthy. So I, I totally get it. It's, it's definitely, it's tough. Cause there's some things where you're just like, this has to be up because you want it to be up for anybody. But yeah, I get it. I mean, if, if lives are on the line, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. for sure. We got to do that. Yeah. Right. If, if yeah, if, if. <laughs> If health and safety and that kind yeah. of thing are relying on it, yes, that's incredibly important. If it's kind of a silly thing, eh. maybe maybe you can wait. Maybe you can wait till business hours. And yeah, then they'll get to it. This is also a good case for kind of just remote work in general, where if you have people across many time zones, then people can keep an eye on it when they're awake and working, rather than just like at at that particular. Uh, middle of the night time where they might not be working. Yeah. Big Very fan true. of remote work right here. As a compliment to the overrated thing, I think something really underrated for engineers anyway is emotional handling. Um, so as a joke, but kind of not as a joke, for a while for my one-on-ones, I was bringing a feelings wheel. Uh, if you don't know what a feelings wheel is, it's like the color wheel, but instead it has feelings on it. So instead of like, so it starts off with like good, bad, right? Because when you ask somebody, how are you doing? They say good or bad. Um, so they divide like good and bad into different things. Like good then divides into like feelings of happiness, uh, feelings of accomplishment, and then like happiness can be divided further and like other, all those like feelings get like secondary feelings and get very descriptive. Um, super underrated, but it goes a long way for both the business and the culture if you can communicate how you're feeling. Absolutely, right? So like when someone says like, I'm, I had a bad week, if they say that, right? And I'll usually say like, could you elaborate? Like, what can I do to be helpful? If they can't say anything more than that, it's really hard for me to do anything. But if you can say something like, I felt really frustrated this week because the assignment that I was working on seemed like it was out of reach for me and it made me feel like I had feelings of like hopelessness, like I couldn't get it done and that made me really frustrated. Then I felt like maybe some people weren't like prioritizing like what I was working on and it made me feel like these things. When you give me that type of information just as a manager, it makes it a lot it's just information for me to help you, right? Because then I'm like, oh, okay. So like, did you think that it was outside of your actual abilities or did you just not have enough support in getting that done? And whichever just like way that goes, it doesn't actually matter. It just means that I have the information to help you. Yeah, that also shows that you're a good manager, the fact that you care about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> lots of people do <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of managers these days that are just kind of, using that one-on-one -on -one time to really just be like, okay, how close are we to this feature? Or just, you know, work-related things, but never really take the time to get into the how are you doing kind of side of things. Bring the feelings wheel with you. Definitely need a feelings wheel. It it does sound cheesy, but I think that's a really great thing. One, one of the best managers I ever had, she always said that 
she felt like Mr. Rogers sometimes where she was trying to like prod for feelings, but she would bring in like question cards that she got where it was just like, what's something that made you really proud this week? And and just like, they were totally just prompt questions, but it was really great having those because it kind of established more of a human relationship rather than just like a, you are my boss and I need to deliver code to you type of relationship. I think, I think that's really important just for like, psychological safety and and being able to communicate better when things do get tough at work all right moving on to our next random segment it's dev opposites so we'll talk a bit about the opposite side of your dev life or founder life i suppose (laughs) what life (laughs) (laughs) well yeah outside of you know all the day-to-day things of being a founder what do you do outside of that so I actually, yeah, I, I do, I, I joke about it, but I actually do have a lot of things that I do outside my job. I don't seem to have a normal weekend, so I find that it's really important throughout my day to find things that make me feel like a human, just like how I would encourage anyone on my team to take a break when they need it. I recognize that I also need to do the same if I want to show up the way that I want to show up. So I think today, um, one of my engineers and I are actually going to a beginner swing dancing class we're gonna go learn the hustle (laughs) yeah but i normally take um dance classes three times a week so i do that pretty consistently um and then this past winter i learned how to snowboard for the first time that's so cool no injuries right wow you had to go there huh i I broke three ribs What other like hobbies do you have outside of just what you do on outside of the day to day? Do you have any? Um, I'm actually a really big fan of Dota. It's a video game. Mm. I don't know if anyone here has heard of it. It's sort of a niche game these days. Dota two is the name. Alright, next question. So are you a karaoke fan? And what's your go to song? Oh my goodness. I do love karaoke. Karaoke's um but fun fact, my cousin and I, uh, he does a really great Fetty Wap impression. Hmm. Oh. So I'm a big fan of any of those songs where I get to show him off in his Fetty Wap impression, and I just do the backup vocals. That's that's, a, that's the perfect support. <laughs> so if you weren't in this industry, would what would you be doing? Would you be an econ professor, or do you think you'd be doing something else? If you asked me before I got into tech, 100%, uh, I would have loved to be a professor. I still think a part of me just really enjoys teaching. I enjoy mm-hmm. teaching more than the research piece. So these days, I'm not quite sure because what I hear about now that I'm a little older, I learned that professors actually, they got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it's not teaching. And I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want that. There is a part of me that would actually love to play at the international for dota um Ooh, go pro <laughs> so for context when i was 15 i did briefly play professionally so when i was 15 i was playing in this um amateur league and i had ranked like number seven on the ladder for north america dang and, Whoa. <laughs> and a group of friends and i oh had gosh. actually gotten together and we took down a pro team and this qualifier to be in a, a land tournament so there was like a brief period of time when I thought like maybe then when I was 15, 
Um, overall, kind of grateful that I didn't do it. And ended up actually becoming a monk instead of being a professional gamer. I would love Sorry. for you to... to <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? To professional gamer, to monk, to startup yeah. founder. Yeah. That's quite well, the there pipeline. Well, there's things in between. Yeah, you, yeah. With, so, with a few little things in between. Yes. We could go so many places here. <laughs> I, I would... Uh, I feel like that's an <laughs> extreme opposite from professional gamer to monk. Was it was it something where you were just like burnt out from gaming and you were just like I'm done. Let's let's shut out everything. Like I, I it's hard to process that. Yeah. That's fair. Um so the the piece of context that would be helpful is during that time I actually became like deathly ill. Oh. Deathly yeah. Not like kind of deathly ill like pretty deathly ill i was in and out of the hospital a lot i they mm. realized later on i actually had an autoimmune disorder but at mm. the time the symptoms were just like i had a hundred plus degree fever for months oh my gosh yeah oh God. uh and i was like i had no appetite i just like you know when the worst feeling of the flu just that for months and that's what it looked like and I, I went to the hospital, they ran tests, and they're like, you seem like you should be a healthy 16-year-old, you know, 15, 16-year-old. And then my, you know, my mom basically was just like, doctors aren't helping, so we're going to turn to Buddha. And we're going to China, and we're going to go be monks, and that will fix it. The worst part is it kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hate it when your mom's right, but that, like, I really hit the ego. Um, she was, it's not the religion piece that I think helped when I think back on it, but just like a lifestyle change. So I dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. I was living in a monastery in the mountains. The weather's beautiful. We were growing all of our own food. I was on a pretty strict schedule, so we were waking up around like 3 or 4 a.m., we were meditating several hours a day. Uh, wow. We prepared all of our own food. So, you know, everyone took turns being accountable to the community. So you had to work on the, like, help farm the stuff. You had to help prepare, clean up, just basically some support the monastery. So that kind of lifestyle, you live that for a little while. And uh, you, <laughs> you kind of clear some of the... I was going to say, that sounds incredibly healthy, honestly. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I mean, good for the soul good for the soul, good for inflammation. And uh, it kind of worked. The autoimmune disorder actually went into um, remission. And then when I got back to the States, I was actually able to get it diagnosed because I finally got off all the meds. It was one of those things Mm. where when you take medicine for something, you know how those meds cause side effects. And then you can kind of fall down a rabbit hole really fast. And when I got clear of the meds, they were actually able to see the symptoms for what they were and able to give me a diagnosis. Gotcha. Wow. Wow. What a life you've had. Yeah. <laughs> how how long was this that like this um, period that you were a monk? Two years. So I went to college when I was nineteen. So I was two, yeah, I was two years older than everybody else, so about a year or two. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, I guess it's time for the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Random segment generator. What is it going to be? <laughs> And it's 404s and heartbreak. What's something that was on the internet that is no longer on the internet 
that that it leads to a page not found. This, I don't know if you guys remember this. It feels like a fever dream. Um, it was like, it was an advertisement for a cereal company, and it was like a whole game. I think it was called Milberry. <gasps> yes. No. It's like you just unlocked like, something in my brain. Right. Was that was that like a General Mills thing? Was it? I think it was General Mills. It was like an advertisement for a cereal company, and you could like cash in like these points for like yeah. furniture. And oh, you could like build, yeah. It was like a Sims online situation. It was yeah. It was, it was like, like a, a role playing game. game, but for cereal. Yeah. It was yeah. I totally was, like, remember what universe. you're talking about. Right. If I had to yeah. rank like those types of games, it goes the Millberry games, Webkins, then the classic Neopets, and then everything yes. that was on Disney. Did Did you ever do like yeah Neopets? Gaia Online. Oh, all yes. of those. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're on and all of a sudden your like, parents try to make a phone call and it goes, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you have to get no! off the internet. I'm trying to make a phone call. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Now we're moving into the advice section. We have had such a fun conversation today, and I think the biggest takeaway here is to find your yurt. What is the what is the direction you want to go in? What is the indoor yurt that that is like I want to get to that point? Because sometimes when you have that kind of goal in mind, you can kind of figure out, okay, what do I like to do? What do I not like to do? And where do I want to go to get to my indoor yurt? to get to that that thing where uh, it, it's, it, it drives you a little bit. And I think the goalposts can move. It's, it's totally a thing. But having some element of goals and, and just people to look to are really, really helpful as you figure out the direction you want to go in in life. I yeah, definitely I want to look house. up yurts now. Yeah, <laughs> to, yurts. time to buy a yurt. <laughs> But anyway, Zach, Lily, thank you so much for being here today. It's been so fun. Lily, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet? Okay, so my Twitter handle is a throwback to when I wanted to be an economics PhD. So it's Lily Doing Econ. And I've been told that people thought that said Lily Dogecoin. <laughs> it's Lily Doing Econ. Thank you. <laughs> quite the difference. And uh, do you have any plugs you'd like to share with us? Oh, yes. My team is hiring for an NLP engineer. Ooh. So Ooh. if you're NLPing at any point, <laughs> please come find me. Great. And once again, because making podcasts is expensive, this show is brought to you by LaunchDarkly. LaunchDarkly toggles peaks of 20 trillion feature flags each day, and that number continues to grow, and you should use them. You can head over to LaunchDarkly.com and learn about how. Thank you for making this show possible, LaunchDarkly. I've been Cassidy Williams. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things, and I'm CTO over at Contenda. I'm Zach. And I'm a DevRel at Rive, and you can find me on Twitter at Zach Plata. Thank you for tuning into the Dev Morning Show at night. Make sure you head over to our YouTube channel where you can like and subscribe. You can also listen to the audio version of this wherever you get your podcasts.